Hello and welcome to Parently, where we tap into the unique experiences and perspectives of parents to celebrate the joys and honor the challenges of child rearing. With new interviews each week, this is a podcast for moms and dads seeking an empowering community and a little levity. Now here's your host, Kelsey Higgins. Hello and welcome to Parently. Today's episode is all in the family because I have asked my aunt Maggie to join the podcast. Welcome to the show, Maggie McKay. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Let's start with just some basics. Tell me about your family. I am the mother of four beautiful adult children. I, they're just amazing and they have helped me define who I am as a person because I just have had so much joy in raising them. Um, I work at a high school, so obviously I love uh, kids, but I didn't always start out at a high school. I actually worked for Merrill Lynch Capital Markets in Minneapolis, Minnesota in the, what used to be what? called the IDS Tower. <laughs> yes. That in IDS? Yep. Yep. It's my neck of the woods. Yep. I um, had, I used to be a sales associate and I could sell um, government bonds. So I had my series seven uh, securities license and all that and worked there until we decided to make the move to Montana um, shortly after we got married. So you said you have four adult children. What are their ages? Um, Abby is 29. Logan is 27. Christine is 22 and Patrick just turned 20 and it was a little bit of celebration because it ended my 16 year reign of having a teenager. Wow. I'm going to send all the listeners your way when they get to the, the scary teenager years. Oh, I don't know. I actually, uh, Patrick has been my, our, my most challenging one. My other three were pretty easy going as teenagers. They were really driven in school and, um, knew what they wanted at the next step. And Patrick hasn't yet. He's kind of taking classes at the community college and still living with me, who, which by the way, is still living with her daughter at this moment. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> but anyway, um, so all my kids are different. I mean, they're similar, but they're different. So I would say raising my kids, my parenting style is pragmatic. And so when you asked me, to be on the um, podcast. I thought, no, I haven't done anything that, you know, people would want to listen to. And it was my 20 year old son who said, mom, remember your challenge to yourself to do something new and different. Um, I tried to do something new and different each week, but it got me thinking about how I raised my kids. And like I said, I, I used the word pragmatic. And then I, of course, I had to look up the definition to make sure that I was using it correctly. And <laughs> But will you tell us so that we don't all have to go look it up too? Okay. So pragmatic is dealing with things sensibly and realistically in a way that's based on practical rather than theoretical. So I also realized when I looked that up, I'm like, there's like an actual parenting style called pragmatic parenting. And I don't think that's what I was doing. Like I didn't look anything up. It Mm. just is who I am. I'm very practical and sensible about things. Well, for example, um, my kids want to do 4-H. And so um, we raised pigs. 
and I don't know, do you remember when we were, you were here for someone's wedding and we had that gathering at our house? I do. And I yes, think we had pigs I, then, didn't we? In the back. Yeah, how long ago was that? I do remember that vaguely, but I remember yeah, I think that was like, like 2003 maybe. I don't know. But so our kids all had pigs and I didn't want them to get attached to them um, as pets. So we named them breakfast, lunch, dinner, and leftovers. <laughs> I wanted them to know exactly what they were going to be. <laughs> that is so funny, but you just, that makes sense. I, I suppose that is pragmatic. It is. And then year after year, they, then what they, it kind of started this thing where they would name them different ham dishes in different language, that languages so like ambone and things like that. So anyway, that's, um, so I always just wanted my kids to just know exactly how things were, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm also their biggest champion. It makes it sound like I'm just, you know, life is hard and it's not that either. I'm their biggest champion, but mm-hmm. I also wanted them to know the flip side of what can happen. And I, you know how, um, parents, a lot of parents sugarcoat things and try to make their kids' lives easier. Mm-hmm. And they do, but at the same time, I was always, I was grateful that each one of my kids went through some sort of major life disappointment Mm. while they lived at home so that we could walk them through it as a family. It's so timely that you mentioned that. I was just talking with a coworker today and her son is 16 starting to drive. And she was just telling me how, how difficult it is to let your kids kind of spread their wings and, and do their own thing and potentially fail when your instinct is just kind of to put them in a bubble and protect them forever. Right. It is. And, and I mean, it, it starts like Abby, um, my oldest, we affectionately call her the freaky genius girl. She is super, super <laughs> smart. Um, she is always learning always. I mean, she's 29. She has, uh, two degrees, um, which she accomplished in four years of college. She has a master's in psychology and she's, teaching. She's a teacher here at the high school. Uh, she teaches psychology and she's also doing a concurrent college class. So she's technically a college teacher as well. Wow. Um, and she's just now starting to think back on, think about going and getting her um, administration licensures. She's just always learning. Well, forever, she wanted to go to Stanford. Mm-hmm. I mean, like since she was seventh grade, and, you know, when, uh, she did everything right in high school. She did speech and debate. She was a manager for football. She played softball. She, I mean, did great grades, straight A kid, everything. Took six AP classes, did everything she possibly could do right. And she didn't get into Stanford. Oh. And looking back at her and who she is, she would not have done well there. She, I think, would have been very homesick and, um, but she would have stuck it out because that is, she's just driven and determined, mm-hmm. but instead she ended up taking presidential scholarship at university of Montana and decided that since they were paying for her school because she had earned it, she was going to get two degrees instead of just one. And she wow. did all the four years. And then she, it was great though, because then she ended up giving back. She would, you know, take other, um, potential candidates on tours. Uh, she ended up speaking at a donor breakfast. And what was really cool, she got to um, meet a Supreme Court justice and it was just very cool. And so 
it was able to look back at her and say that your path would not have looked like that if you had gotten accepted to Stanford. Now, there might have been other great things that had happened, but these things were huge and important to her. Mm-hmm. And when our kids had disappointments, we always try to tell them that it's because there's something better for you. You don't know what it is, but there's something better for you around the corner. Mm. And sometimes it doesn't even have to deal with you as to why you didn't have. Sometimes it's about the other person who got in. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they needed it more. Anyway, so, you know, always was grateful when our kids had some disappointments where we could walk them through because I feel like now as adults, they're better able to handle that. Because a lot of times when we protect our kids, because disappointment's going to happen, you know it is. Mm-hmm. And when we protect them so much and it doesn't happen until they're adults, then it's devastating. And sometimes mm-hmm. people can't recover from that. Yeah, that's, so, that's a really good point. When I listen to you talk, you have this sense of, I guess I would call it connectedness, that, you know, things happen for a reason. It, like you said, you know, this this door didn't open because this one over here is opening. Does that come from faith or what what kind of drives that? Oh, definitely faith. Definitely faith. I am just such a strong believer and I wouldn't be where I am today without my faith. We raised our kids with a strong faith and I would not be who I am today without that. It's because of the grace that I have been shown, I feel like I'm able to show to others. And when things come up in life, yes, for the first little bit, I feel devastated and or angry or whatever but then I can, I feel like I can diffuse it. You know, one of the things that I try as I get older in life, I try to seek peace. And if I didn't have faith, there's no way that I could feel any sense of peace about everything that happens. Mm. Yeah. Let's talk about some of those life events. So what, what life events have you experienced that have shaped you into not only the type of parent, but the person you are today? Well, when I was a young girl, I was sexually molested by a trusted close person in my life. Now, while I feel that that doesn't define who I am, it definitely has shaped who I am. So mm. when it came to talking to my kids like about sex ed, I was able to talk to them individually at different times. I've shared my story with them at different times. With my girls, um, it looked a little different. But then, like when I had, when pornography came up with my boys, I was Mm -hmm. able to share my story with the boys and tell them that, you know, that could have been my story. Because a lot of times, women in particular usually don't get into pornography out of, a like a cognizant choice. Like, yes, that's not a life goal for a lot of people. A lot of times it's because they have been abused. They're, you know, get wrapped up in drugs, whatever it is. And, you know, I was able to share with my boys that that easily could have been my story. I could have gone down a different path in life. And so, but I, I chose not to do that. I chose to not let it affect me. And actually, actually for a long time, I kind of denied that it even happened. And I think it was after I was married that I kind of really started dealing with it a lot. Um, wow. 
And then it brought a lot of anxiety. Um, it brought a lot of anxiety that I, you know, kept me from attending things that would put me back in the vicinity of that person. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and it really wasn't until probably three or four years ago that I was just like, okay, this is, I, I can't let this control my life anymore as far as keeping me from those parts of my life. I mean, I've left, I've led a very full and wonderful life with my kids and my, my family, but you know, I, I, it kept me from going back. And, and so I didn't want it to do that anymore. So I, I kind of faced it head on. I had a lot of, or I should say not a lot. I had a few of my very strong uh, female friends praying for me the whole time I was at this, this weekend event. And um, it took maybe a little bit of lorazepam to help get through it, but um, I'm okay with that. I'm okay admitting that. Mm -hmm. And I did. And the thing is, is that it started me on this path of healing because I learned that by not forgiving this person, even though they never, ever asked for it, have never even acknowledged it, I was the one being held captive by it. Mm. And that release actually led me to where I am today because without learning how to, that forgiving is actually for me. It's not for the one being forgiven. It's for the forgiver that where I am today would have looked a lot different than it had I not done that based on what's happened in the last year of my life. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I know it's very personal and it's a very vulnerable position to put yourself in. I think that unfortunately it's, it's much more common than a lot of people talk about or or like to admit and so I think by sharing your story perhaps there are some other other folks that have similar situations that that feel like they can relate and perhaps there is a bit of light at the end of the tunnel and you know the goal of forgiveness to work towards Um, so thank you for sharing that you're welcome like I said it really helped me figure out um who I was in the last year, believe it or not. Um, Mm -hmm. I know it seems, and I'm, I'm in my (laughs) fifties. So it's not like this just happened, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. It happened a long time ago and it did take a long time to get to the point where I am. And it's not that it, it didn't, um, obviously it didn't, wasn't on my thoughts every single day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was able to function and be okay. And, Um, but there were certain times where it would rear its ugly head. I think that's really important, an important point that you're making because it's never too late, right? Right. And I mean, it was, you know, probably maybe seven years ago where I had this one streak of time where I was, you know, almost had this irrational thought of like, well, you know, why didn't the adults in my life protect me? Mm. Well, then I kind of went, okay, wait a minute they didn't know about it. And that mm-hmm. is an irrational thought. And, and so there were times where I would have chunks or periods of time where it, it would kind of, you know, put me into a small depression or just to, you know, consume some thoughts. And then I'd have to kind of work through that. And, and I kind of, and that was okay because every time I worked through something, I came up a little higher. I, I, you know, I, it was like, I was working through this valley and I just kind of kept going higher each time. 
And it wasn't until about three years ago when it was all about the forgiveness that I'm like, ah, okay. I think I'm at the top now of this. And I, I really, I'm feeling like I can share it openly with some people, you know, with people. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that, frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. I don't know if you even know this, but so my son, Logan, he's 27. He is a, has his master's in mining engineering. And uh, he is a gold miner. <laughs> so, um, but when he was little, he had what people would call anger issues. And, um, and it was really hard to define like exactly what the triggers were with the exception of um, sporting events. And he, he's an athlete and he loves competing but yet he couldn't handle it at times when he lost. And so that was a real struggle, but yet sports was also a good outlet for him and his energy. He also was real um, punctual on time. And if you were late, if you didn't, if you didn't follow through with what you said, he'd get real angry. And so just a lot of anger issues. Um, And it started kind of building when he was in grade school. And then when he was in fifth grade, it kind of reached ahead or came to a point and his teacher who we just loved, um, she actually looped with Abby fourth and fifth grade and had Logan fourth and fifth grade. She just said, you know, I just think there really is something more than just anger issues going on here. And Mm. so we trusted her enough. Um, and we started having him tested. What it ended up coming up is that they felt like he was perhaps high functioning autistic. Oh, and um but super high functioning and so they ended up having us go to a child psychiatrist and um working with him who immediately put him on all sorts of medication scary medications um mood altering medications and within 30 days logan had gained 30 pounds and became suicidal wow i had no idea yep yep And, um, so we spent, he had, then he ended up going to a, um, 
almost like a therapy school, an inpatient therapy or therapy school every day, you know, he'd go down there and, um, and it was strange because he was put in the class with the teenagers and he was only like 11 or 12, maybe 11. Mm-hmm. And, um, because he was a big kid, he was already six foot tall at that point. And so he's put in with the older kids and their problems were way, were very deep and very dark. Yet the younger group of kids were the ones that were in the classroom spitting and breaking down the door. And so he didn't really fit there either. So he went to this real intensive therapy um, place for like 30 to 40 days, basically until our insurance ran out. And that's kind of what they told us when we went there for the group family meeting. They're like, well, we don't feel like he's ready to go, but your insurance ran out. Which kind of made you feel like as a parent kind of made you feel like, Oh, okay, great. But so we, it ended up being summertime then and we had him at home, but we had to like hide the kitchen knives and hide everything. So like anytime I needed to cut something, I had to go take it out of hiding and put it back in. And we had to safeguard the house for a time period. And, um, and then the school year came and um, our school system has our, our, our area has this amazing program called Crossroads and um, Logan fit the criteria and we would, I would take him to school with the other kids and then they would take him in a van over to this location um, at another place in town. And he was with a lot of other kids similar to himself. And it was intensive therapy along with schooling. And it was great because it worked so well for Logan because they would literally, you had to earn points every day. Um, and what they would do is how you behaved in certain things, you'd earn points so that the last hour of the day, you got to do what you'd want. And one of Logan's things that, so he would spend the last hour of the day shooting hoops in the, in the gym. And a lot of times, which also then brought on other opportunities because you know, he'd be with a teacher and they'd know what his trigger points are and they'd sit there and try to push him to see how he reacted. Mm. And, um, and so Logan also is very smart. And so, uh, we were worried that the schooling portion of it was falling by the wayside, but once they figured out what he could do, they just kind of kept challenging him school wise. And so it got, he, he did that all of, yeah, all of sixth grade. And then halfway through seventh grade, they decided that he was ready to go back to the rec- mainstream school. And we had a big meeting and he said, you know, um, he asked what it would look like if he went back to mainstream school. And they said that he would have a student aid with him or a, a teacher's aid with him the, every time walking through the halls, sitting in his class. And he, he, of course he didn't need it academically, they were just worried about his behavior. And mm-hmm. so he actually said, I don't want to go back to school to West Valley until I can go back and be on my own. So he actually stayed the second semester of um, seventh grade. And in eighth grade, he went back to mainstream school. And he did so well that by the time you know February rolled around and they started um, getting ready to enroll him for high school the next year, they actually kicked him out of the special ed department because he had no needs, which was amazing. (laughs) So, so he started ninth grade at the high school with a clean slate and he's never looked back. 
that is, I, I had no idea about any of that. And that, so from, from a parenting perspective, what, what kind of advice would you have for a parent who's maybe experiencing something similar? Cause I, I have to imagine that was really difficult. Um, it was crazy because when it first started happening, I kind of felt like I was just going through the motions cause it's like, this can't be my kid. And this, um, yes, he has some anger issues. Yes. It was hard to redirect him at times, but then I'm like, this really can't be it. But then, then when it's after we started looking at having him evaluated, then nobody could figure out what exactly what the, was the problem. And, and so we just, we went to one of the psychiatrists. That was, that would be my biggest thing to say is look at who you're taking your kids to. Mm. <laughs> because we thought it was so important to get into somebody quickly because we wanted a quick fix. So we went to the first person. He didn't look at my son all the way as an individual and realize that he didn't need these drugs that he was on. And mm he just wanted a quick fix. He wanted to, you know, chill him out. Yeah. I, I think those are great points. And, and the part that I really like that you said is, you know, don't, don't necessarily just try to get the quick fix, right. We're look for the, the long-term solution. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. And Logan right now, he's probably my most even killed um, kid. And then there's Christine. She's finishing her last year at Carroll College. She's in the nursing program. And, um, you know, her struggle in life came a little bit later. In fact, she's just kind of kind of coming up out of it. Um, she struggled with anxiety uh, for years in it. Uh, she was she was quite the athlete. She's uh, five foot ten. She played uh, volleyball, soccer basketball and softball. In fact, she went to college and played softball her first year. And um, she started developing anxiety in high school. And a lot of it was around sports. Um, and, you know, didn't really talk about it much or it didn't affect her day-to-day -day life too much um, and, until she went to college. And then um, her anxiety her first year of college kind of manifested in an eating disorder. Um, and then uh, she was able to kind of, with some um, medication and therapy, uh, able to kind of work through it, uh, or at least handle it, uh, her, her sophomore and junior year. And then last year, what would have been the beginning of her senior year, um, she ended up coming home and take what she calls her gap year. <laughs> Mm. Um, and I got a call. I mean, I knew she was struggling, knew she was struggling. It was multiple phone calls, um, spending time on the phone, literally trying to ground her, like doing, doing anxiety episodes. I've been, I, when I wasn't on the phone with her, I was looking up how to help people with severe anxiety and, oh. um, literally doing breathing exercises with her, trying to refocus her. And, um, but she ended up like not being able to eat or sleep. And I got a call from one of her professors because the school she goes to is amazing. And she just said, this is not our Christine. She said she is coming to class disheveled, which normally she was, you know, all put together. Mm -hmm. um, she does not look okay. She, um, 
she looks shaky uh, and she's crying and um, she said, I think we need to have her evaluated. So um, two of Christine's classmates, who are also nursing students, uh, took her to the emergency room because she went to school three hours away. And um, the outcome was that she either needed to be admitted or released to me. So at seven o'clock that night, I left a meeting that I was at and I drove to um, two hours away, picked up Patrick and he drove with me for the other remaining hour and a half and we packed her up and we started the route home. We got, we left uh, there about 11 p.m., started the route in reverse, dropped Patrick back off at his college and um, got home about two or three in the morning and um, she ended up taking what, like I said, what she calls her gap year. Um, she did a lot of therapy. Mm. Um, and she's, I have, I'm happy to say she's back there now. She's doing really, really well. Mm. Um, she's, I mean, she's going to be an amazing nurse and I'm really, really proud of her. And it was a growing year for both of us having to, um, let go of her a little bit for, in order for her to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, and when, when all my natural instincts was to hold tighter, I had mm. to let go and, yeah. um, but that's okay. She's, you know, that it, it's actually been very freeing for both of us. So oh, that's wonderful. And then there's my baby Patrick <laughs> and, um, he is not the student. The other three are, um, I always call him my, my kid, to the, the tongue to the frozen pole kid because, <laughs> Christmas story? No. Well, yes. But I mean, I could tell my other three kids, don't stick your tongue to the frozen pole because it's going to rip it off. Right. And they would not do it. But Patrick, he has to do it. He mm -hmm. has to do everything for himself. He always And I always tell him, you, you always come to the same conclusions. Why don't you just listen to me? Right. But that doesn't work with him. He's got to do it himself. And, um, but he's also, so at time, he was my, our most trying teenager. He was our, our most, I would probably say our most social teenager as far as always wanting to go out and do things and always a little nervous that some of them weren't the best of things that he, choices he could make, but mm -hmm. also always reassured him that if he ever felt that he could always use us as an out, if he was in a situation where he didn't want to be, um, or if he got himself in a situation to never, ever be afraid to call me. Cause I would always mm. pick him up. But so now Patrick is actually, he uh, went to the university for six months and at, at down in the university of Montana. And then when everything fell apart as a family, he suffered some serious depression and also had some suicidal thoughts. Oh. And it was amazing because at that point his dad um, had kind of checked out. And so some of Patrick's football coaches from high school started calling him and checking in on him several times a day and texting him. And we got him through the semester and then he came home. And so he's mm. been doing um, community college here. All of that leads me to what's happened in the last year. Um, mm -hmm. My husband of 30 years had an affair and left me. And it was a shock, uh, just a shock. Um, 
I think it was a midlife crisis um, because his family meant everything to him. And um, he is estranged from the kids for the most part. When I look back, I feel like were there problems in our marriage? Definitely. Mm. But was there anything that couldn't have been fixed by counseling? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still maintain that today, that had he chosen a different path, our story would have been so different because I was in it for the long haul. And, mm-hmm. you know, there were some definite things that needed to be p- fixed. Um, and I, But I was that, you know, for a long time, I was that wo- woman and wife that did everything um, because like I said, I, you know, I had my series seven when we first moved out here, I did some selling of securities and then we started having kids. Um, and you know, I, I did several different jobs to, depending on where my kids were in life. You know, I, I managed an, a pediatrics office, a pediatrician's office for a while. Then I managed a neurosurgeon's office and then I took, um, 10 to 12 years off and I did medical transcribing because I had four kids at home. But as soon as Patrick was in first grade, I'm like, okay, I am peacing out. I'm going back to work. <laughs> and so I'm working at, I got a job at um, the high school, brand new high school. And I've been here ever since and I love it. Um, but in that meantime, you know, we had built, when I was working from home, we kind of had developed a pattern that I did everything. You know, I cooked, I cleaned, I made doc made his doctor's appointments, his haircut appointments, everything. And and I, I was glad to do that because I felt like he was going out every day working so hard and I was working part-time. I was, but I just, I had more time in my schedule. And then I feel that as I started working full-time, I did less and less of that. Um, or I tried to anyway, <laughs> that didn't quite happen, but mm-hmm. anyway, it was just such a shock when Michael left and um, it, it like broke, everybody's heart, you know, and, and, but when I look back and I really did a lot of therapy this last year and one of the pivotal points is forgiveness. And I realized that I needed to forgive him so that I could have peace in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and it took several months for that to happen. Um, but I think that my, ability to forgive the person who sexually assaulted me led me to be able to forgive Michael for what he had done. And, Mm -hmm. um, now it doesn't mean I forget. I always tell my kids forgiveness is good, but don't forget because then you, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to go back into that place. And I learned a lot. Um, I was through counseling realized that there were probably at times where I was verbally abused by Michael. Um, and I'd be, I'm really careful to say that because I think sometimes if you take a snapshot of anybody's marriage, you could almost say that about each other, you know, mm-hmm. cause I, I don't feel like sometimes we treat each other as married couples the best. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, one of the things that I worked on in therapy is like, well, how did I let this happen? You know, how did I, how did I become that person? And, um, one of the things he shared with me was that, it's like the frog in the boiling pot of water. When you first jump in, it's all nice and, you know, comfortable and you don't realize it as it's heating up until it's too late. Mm. Um, but with that being said, it wasn't horrible. Not, like he wasn't beating me. He wasn't, you know, doing anything. So I, 
like if if he had gone to counseling about his depression and I had gone, you know, gone to counseling and we'd gone counseling together, I I think our story could have been different. Sure. But it's not. And so now I've had to figure out who I am after 30 plus years of marriage. And I am, um, so like I I said, I'm in the, I'm the reverse failure to launch. I'm living with my daughter. (laughs) Um, She was amazing. Abby was amazing. She, she and a couple of my amazing friends, you know, I found out on a Thursday and on a Saturday moved me out of my house because we lived up on a mountain in this old house and it was getting cold and I knew I wasn't going to live there and didn't want to get stuck up there for the winter. And so I moved in with Abby and ended up dismantling 30 years of marriage and 20 years of living in that house, basically by my own, um, with, with the help of friends, Michael kind of went out for the proverbial pack of cigarettes, um, uh, took the things off his back and really never came back to get anything else. And Mm. so dismantled everything. And, um, literally in, uh, 41 days from the time day he told me 41 days later, we were divorced. He pursued a divorce that quickly. And so it was just such a shock. And, um, but I had to just figure out who I am. And um, faith has played a huge part in that. Um, it's allowed me to forgive him so that I can be free. It's allowed me to um, pursue different things. Um, I'm like being, I have been so blessed by the people in my life. Um, it was funny. I, closed on a piece of property. I took what I got from the house and I bought a piece of property and I closed on it and I was just driving away and I was crying and Patrick was in the car with me and he's like, what? I said, I don't know what I've done to deserve this. I just feel so blessed. And he goes, well, mom, when you're a nice person and you're good to people, good stuff eventually is going to happen to you. Oh, a little karma your way. I know. And so um, and it was Abby who said, Hey, you know, what would it be to build a place? And so I, uh, talked to a builder who was one of Christine's softball coaches for years. And I said, this is my all in budget. This is it. Cause my, my income went, you know, cut by a quarter of what it used to be as, as a couple. And, and, um, he said, let me talk to my wife. And he comes back and he said, Mikey and I want to bless you and we want to make it work in your budget. So literally on um, after months and months, it looks like I'll be moving into my brand new house in a couple weeks. That's so. amazing. That's amazing. And this has all I, happened within a year. I know. I, it is crazy. It is crazy. And I never, ever would have thought I'd be in this place. In fact, sometimes I feel guilty that I feel so happy. <laughs> because like I said, this isn't the path I chose for myself, but... I decided that I would make the best of what was given to me. And I'm just trying to make the best decisions and, you know, live the best life I can. And um, it's been kind of fun. I went through quarantine living with Abby and Patrick. So that was kind of fun. To- and you all survived? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I, um, with Abby and I both working at the schools, were considered essential. Of course, she was teaching from home. But I actually have an office, a very secluded office. So I was able to go into the office. 
but those two, she, Abby taught, Patrick t uh, did school from home, but it was kind of a unique time to be with your adult children, you know, during a yeah. pandemic. It was, I mean, we, we played games, taught Patrick some card games. We ate at the kitchen table. We, it was, it was real unique, you know? It's so. kind of a, a, a cool experience and probably, probably a time you'll look back on and, and treasure for years. It will. It was, and I think it was real healing because it was like, we were all going through the same thing. Cause like I said, Michael was a great dad up until he kind of wasn't, you know, mm -hmm. for Abby and Logan, he was a great dad all the time. Very involved. He coached uh, with Christine, you know, he's, he was a pretty good dad and Patrick saw the brunt of it, but I think Patrick wanted to be my champion. And of course that makes me sad that I put myself in a place that he felt he had to do that for me. Mm. So that's my next thing I want to make sure I'm working on is, as I, I do feel regret over the examples I led, let for my children as far as relationships. And I just want to make sure that they don't repeat those same things. Mm. Um, and I, you know, and I want to be fair to Michael. Um, I, I feel like he was battling depression he probably drank too much. I also know, you know, he lives with some chronic pain. Um, but yet he would never go and help himself or take care of it or try to fix that. He chose the easy solution or what he felt was the easy solution that instead of working on himself and figuring out what was wrong, he just chose the out, which he knew that having an affair would be an out. It's one thing I've always said is I don't think I'd ever be able to recover from that. Mm. But you would and have tried. I, but I would have tried. Yeah. But the other thing is too is I also felt like the stronger I became, that like I said that 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 period a couple years ago where I was at that event and I just had that time that moment of forgiveness. I really became a stronger person all around. Like it just mm -hmm. it was like just this snowball effect of um, just became becoming a lot stronger and a lot more confident. And I think that as I grew in my confidence, it made Michael more depressed. I used to say I feel sorry for him, but I don't really feel sorry for him because I'm not that good. <laughs> I'm not that good. <laughs> I'm not that great. Um, I do. I feel bad that his relationship with his kids are bad yeah. but he's also not pursuing them in a way that I would if the situation were reversed it's an interesting point of clarification one thing that I was that I wanted to ask you while you were talking mm -hmm. how did you separate or and maybe the answer is you didn't but how did you separate talking about Michael the ex-husband versus Michael the father of your child, especially around your children. I made a point of if they wanted to talk to me about their dad, they could talk to me about their dad. And I made it, tried not to react in a way that was from the hurt wife, but more from the mother that they needed, mm. the, the confidant that they needed. Because sometimes, you know, when you're going through something, sometimes it's easier to talk to someone who has the back history about it mm -hmm. because then you, you can just pick up in mid-sentence almost, you know? And right. So 
and the thing that I decided as well is that I didn't want to badmouth their dad to them because I don't ever want them to be in a position where when they start having kids or whatever that they feel like I can't be in the same room as him because I decided that I would be the one missing out then and I don't want to miss a thing of my kid's life Mm. I don't want to miss a thing of my grandkids life I want to be there and so I decided that if I couldn't get it together about how I felt about their dad that I would end up being the one missing out Mm. and I didn't want that and, and again, that was something that I felt like I could control and that if I sat there and had all this bitterness and expressed it to my kids, that they would felt like that would be a part of their life I couldn't be, be a part of. Mm-hmm. And I want to be a part of their life. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work, which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun, bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. Let me ask you this. What do you find most rewarding about being a mom? I would have to say right now. I feel like everything I did, every decision I made, whether it was for their health or for their mental being or um, every decision I helped them make, you know, every, I don't know. I just feel like it's leading up, it's led up to this point where I feel like my kids are my friends. Like they're, they're fun human beings to be with. And I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I mean, it's different that when you can be friends with your kids as adults, right. Versus. Yeah. 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 So like, I mean, we're watching game of Thrones together, which is kind of awkward when you've got your 50 some year old mother, your 29 year old daughter and your 20 year old son, we're watching Game of Thrones and I don't know if you've ever watched Game of Thrones but sure have it's pretty awkward at times you know and and but I mean we laugh about it and now we quote it and you know the night is the night is dark and full of terrors (laughs) (laughs) and so um it's it's getting them to the point where you can't they can be friends and you guys you can be friends and and that's been pretty amazing I think that that's been the best part of it yeah. 
that that's really amazing how it, through such a, a difficult situation you have found so many silver linings in it I think that's that speaks a lot to um, probably the growth that you've that you've done but also just the type of person you are oh thanks that's that's actually how I when you were saying that I thought that's how I'd like to be described (laughs) (laughs) you know I went through this time period when they were growing up um, I would call it my rules time period or life lesson time period and so like we'd be driving and we'd pull up and the person next to us we would be picking their nose and I'm like oh life lesson number 433 everyone can see you pick your nose, look over there. <laughs> you know, and so we called it life lessons. And so I, and I would just associate some random number to it. Yeah. But it's like life lesson. And that's also kind of the, why I used to think that I called myself pragmatic because I'd be like life lesson. Yeah. We can see your thong through that pair of pants. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so check it out before you leave the house. <laughs> So funny. I love that. I wonder how many life lessons you're actually up to. Probably, what, ten, tens of thousands? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. My kids <laughs> would be like, oh, too many, too many. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything that you wanted to make sure that we spoke about, about that we haven't already? Probably could tell you lots of other things, like how this past year has made me a lot less judgmental. Mm. And had I not... Like I never used to think I was a super judgmental person and I don't really think I was super judgmental, but led me, I guess it's opened my heart. When I listened to your podcasts after George Floyd, I, my eyes were open and mm-hmm. like to the point where my kids were like, wow, mom, you know, it was just, and I would never have ever considered myself not aware before, mm. but man, I was not aware. Mm. and. I think about if it had been a year prior, probably would not have been able to receive that message as, you know, and take to heart my part mm-hmm. in it. And so I guess you're never too old <laughs> to change. Hence my try something new, like, you know, be on a podcast or. I love it. I'm so thankful for that. <laughs> and of course, Patrick is the one to remind me. You remember, you said you're going to try something new. So like uh, probably a couple months or about a month or so after I um, Michael left, I got some pur- deep purple pieces dyed in my hair. <laughs> Ooh, fun. I didn't know that. Yeah. That just very, of course, they were underneath because I don't want to go too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a fancy pair of panties or something. Only. Yes, exactly. Like <laughs> you can only see if I pu- pulled my hair up or <laughs> but you're never too old to try something new or to be a different person. That's yeah. I'm trying to be a different person, a better person. <laughs> I'm reading a book right now and it's, it's, it's more about uh, from a political perspective, but what you're saying resonates with what I'm reading in the book because it's, it's talking a lot about, you know, wh- why do people and politicians and just in general people approach conversations like I need to change their mind and never from a standpoint of maybe, maybe, just maybe I have something to learn and maybe I don't have all of the answers. So I think that that's a cool perspective. 
Well, and the other thing is, is I think people, we get so caught up in needing to make big sweeping changes. And I, mm-hmm. and to me, the big sweeping changes happen after a lot of small aha moments. Mm, yeah, good um, one. You know, like a couple, a few years ago, I decided to like, you know, I hate New Year's resolutions because I've always failed at them. But I decided that I would just pick a couple, a phrase and really focus on it throughout the year. And the very first one I picked was called above reproach or not called or, you know, I just, it was Mm -hmm. above reproach. And so I wrote it on some sticky notes and stuck, stuck it up under a ledge in my office. And so that every decision I made at the office was above reproach. And it wasn't that I wasn't doing that already. It was just a constant reminder that every decision I made, I wanted it to be above reproach. And I carried that throughout my personal life through everything. And then I linked it together with the the next year was own up to my mistakes, own up to it. And it was owning up to my mistakes because oftentimes we're like, well, you know, I did that, but it was because of this that I did that. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, you know what? I screwed up. Mm -hmm. How can I make it better? And so that was a freeing moment, but all those things built up to the point of where I am today is, is just kind of like, I just want to make sure that people know exactly what they get when they see me. Mm. I, you know, I, I, I want to speak truth and I want to be a different person than I was 10 years ago, be a different person than I was five years ago. I just, I always, I kind of want to change for the better as much yeah. as possible. I think that's so cool. It's a digestible way to always be working on yourself because I think we all know that nobody's perfect. And so why not take an opportunity to become a a better person? And for whatever reason that might be, maybe you want to, you know, be a better servant of God, or you just want to be a better friend or a better wife or, you know, a better, a better soul, whatever it is. It's, I think it's a, a cool approach. Well, and, and it helps me too, that when I feel like the times where I weren't, was not a good example to my kids, as far as what kind of relationship they should be in, I hopefully by the kind of person I am now that they can, that's the better example that they, that that's, that's the lasting impression. <laughs> well, and, and I think, you know, even the more important lesson that you've showed them and all that is it's it's okay to be one way and to grow and to become stronger and it's good and and look what happens on on the other end you know yep, yep. it's funny as we get older I'm, I'm sure you experience this as well you eventually realize your parents aren't perfect and so it's it's cool you know to watch even your parents grow and and learn new things well my my kids haven't experienced that yet. No. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> no, uh it is. It is you do realize that your parents aren't perfect and that they're human and I sometimes I feel like the more human I get to show my kids the better. Makes you more relatable. And it's yeah. funny because you spent all these years teaching kids very practical, pragmatic, whatever life yeah. lessons and and now, you know, as adults they're they're you're still teaching them in a completely different way and it's 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 different lessons but even more important life lessons yep that's what i hope (laughs) i think it's true 
I really enjoyed our conversation and I need to do a better job of talking to my auntie more often because you've got a lot of knowledge in that old noggin. I know. I know. I, uh, it is old. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I, you know, I don't go on Facebook very much or social media a ton, but I love it because I get to be, see my nieces and nephews and their families. And that is fun to me. Like I watch all of your stories. <laughs> like the I one mean- you were given the tour of your day. I loved it. <laughs> oh, I, I need to get a life outside of quarantine, I think. Oh, I don't, I think it's a pretty good life. What a, I mean, kind of what a magical time period to a point, you know, it's, it's forcing people to be family again. And so, and to slow down, it's like, a, it's a slowdown. So. Andy and I talk about that all the time. It's this year has been really difficult in a lot of ways, but man, the slowdown has, has been a blessing. Yeah. I um, appreciate you sharing your very personal journey and being vulnerable. And I think that you are an amazing, strong woman. And I am proud that you are my family member. Thank you. Now you're going to make me cry. (laughs) Thank you very much. I actually enjoyed it. It was very therapeutic for me too. (laughs) You know what? I, I've had a few uh, guests say that and I, I, it's interesting. I think there's something just about talking and, and telling your story that is therapeutic. Yep. Definitely. Thank you for having me. Happy to. And to all of the listeners, thank you for joining today. Please tune in again next week for another insightful conversation. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time.